There are many difficult passages in the scriptures. And some of those you'll find them in the book of Hebrews. And that just happens to be the book that um, says you're dull of hearing. It means that you're tired and you're weary and you can't discern too well. And he says that um, you're babes in Christ and meat belongs to those that are of full age who have their reasons exercised to discern both good and evil. And then after saying all of that, he gives them a morsel to really chew on. I mean, a very difficult morsel. I've even gone into our library. I pulled books off the shelf that dealt with Hebrews chapter 6. You can't believe how many guys don't agree with each other. You would think, well, everybody ought to agree, especially after talking to them about, all right, I'm going to give you some things to chew on. And you would think, well, he was, he'd let up a little bit, and instead he talked to them about some very difficult things, and what he said was, this will we do if God permits. We're going to go into some hard stuff. In other words, he didn't, because they were still babes, he didn't just give them some milk. I believe he just kind of put the spread out there and kind of loaded the table down and says, now you think you know something? Chew on this for a while. And buddy, we're still chewing on those things. And I have read a lot of great men who just can't seem to see eye to eye. I'm not one of those great men. They wrote a lot of books and did a lot of things over their life. But I couldn't believe how many different views there were on Hebrews chapter 6. So I want you to take your Bible and go to the book of Hebrews in chapter 6. This is the second message concerning difficult passages. We're going to be covering a few of them. We talked about Hebrews chapter 10. And today, Hebrews chapter 6. Sometimes it's difficult knowing exactly how to start explaining a portion of Scripture. Sometimes you have to lay the foundation. Well, that's exactly where we'll start, with the foundation. And the reason is because, he says, we don't need to lay the foundation. So I'm going to lay the foundation before we get here. There is a Scripture that talks about, in Corinthians in chapter 3, talks about... There is no foundation which can be laid, which is Christ Jesus. And take heed how we build upon the foundation. So the foundation is Christ. So there are certain basic things that you teach lost people so they can understand and trust the Lord. Remember this. This is to the Christian Hebrews. It's to the believers, but Hebrew believers. They understood the law. They knew about the temple. They knew about the high priest. They knew about Aaron and the sacrifices. They knew about Melchizedek and Abraham, the tribe of Levi, the tithe, all these things. They knew all these things. And even under Judaism, they did many of the things concerning the baptisms and the washing of pots and pans and various things and the cleansing of themselves 
various things that they had to go through. A laying on of hands, certain simple, basic things that even these Hebrew Christians would understand. So there is a basic foundation that all believers have to understand, and that is there is eternal judgment. That's why we need a Savior. And that we cannot save ourselves, so we need Christ. And so we know that after we've trusted Christ as our Savior, we should be baptized in water because it's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. I believe to the Jewish Christian, it probably meant a little bit more in depth with Judaism and their understanding than what the normal Christian would understand because he's talking to that kind of people. He's reminding them of uh, Moses in his house, about the wilderness, about the land of Canaan, and about how there were those that, because of unbelief, couldn't go into the promised land. So there's many things that's it's Hebrew. It's for the Jewish people. So you and I as a Gentile, who don't totally understand all the things about Judaism, are going to have a, sometimes a more difficult time understanding some of these complex things. You would think since he just told him, he says, you have need of milk. You would think, okay, this is really going to be easy from here on out. He's going to give him some more milk. But he didn't. I think it's kind of like a wake-up call. Feed the ones that want to be fed. The ones that don't want to eat, don't want to grow, don't want to do anything. Let them alone. Feed the ones who want to feed. Grow the ones that want to grow. Disciple the ones that want to be discipled. And this is where I believe the Apostle Paul, who I believe wrote the book of Hebrews. I have absolutely no authority for that. Just my opinion. But here in the book of Hebrews, I want you to look first of all in chapter 5 and verse 11. Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered or explained, seeing you are dull of hearing. Uh, what's he talking about? Well, see, the word right before this verse. In verse 10 says, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. So what in the world does that mean? Of whom, and then he gets into it later on in chapter 7, talking about Melchizedek. He says, but... There's a lot of things that's going to be hard for you to understand because, you see, you haven't been growing like you should. It wasn't that what Paul, or I should say Hebrews, teaches is that much difficult. It's that you haven't been feeding and growing in the Lord so that you don't have the discernment that you ought to have. So he made the statement in verse 12, For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. But it ain't going to be me. I'm not going to do it. I'm going on. I got things to teach those who want to listen, those that want to grow. Sometimes that's the same thing that happens in church. People can come, trust Christ as Savior, sit for years, never grow. But then you'll have a few that says, I want more. I want to get in something that's a little bit more meaty. I want something deeper. I want to learn something that will help me to, to do more with my life. I want to think deeper. I want to be more spiritually minded. And there are Christians who just want to coast. Don't shake the boat. Just let me alone. Let me just ride along. 
Let everybody else do the work, but just let me coast. And there's people like that. God's work will always be like that. Most of all the work in every church is always done on the backs of about 10% of the people. He says in the last part of verse 12, And are become such as need of milk, and not of strong meat. But what is he fixing to give them? Strong meat. And that's why there's so many difficult things in the book of Hebrews that causes a babe in Christ to really struggle with. And sometimes even godly men struggle with the meaning of some of these topics because they're deep. And it seems like it could go three or four different ways. So many options. You see, there's these people that will read chapter 6 and talks about, this has got to be talking about people who have been enlightened, but they rejected the light, and now therefore they cannot be saved. They have sinned away their day of grace. And I've heard this used many a time. You've sinned away your day of grace. In other words, when you know the truth and you rebel against it, that's it. Door's closed. You can't be saved after that. Now, there's a lot of people who teach that. Many, many people. I do not believe that. I believe a man can be saved as long as he draws breath and desires to be saved. God will not save any man against his will. The only man that God can't save is the man that won't trust him. That's the only one. So he makes a statement here in verse 13. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. Strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now where we have the word discern right there, I want you to take and go over there where it has in chapter 6. And this will we do if God permits. You see, it depends upon your discernment. You can go on to maturity based on discernment. If you can't discern right from wrong, you're not going to go very far. You're just not going to be able to understand what God is talking about. One of the men that really helped me an awful lot in my Christian life, more than he knows, I never met the guy, was Ironside. My father-in-law got me on some of those books that Ironside wrote. Anybody ever heard of Ironside? Just about everybody. Well, anyway, those books really were good. My father-in-law got me the first Ironside book. It was on the book of Galatians. Boy, I devoured that book. Oh, I loved that book. And I'd only been saved six months or so, six months or a year. And I would sit there and I'd read that book. And I'd read the Galatians and I'd read that. And I'd understand a lot of it. And I got a lot of the other books. And I got a whole bunch of his books. I used to get a whole bunch of books by Dr. Oliver B. Green. Anybody ever heard of Oliver B. Green? Gospel Hour. And he, he used to come down and preach at our church. And the guy was wild. Scare you to death. He could get you saved in one message and get you lost before it was over. And if you were saved before he started, he could get you lost. Then you'd have to get you saved again at the end of the service. The guy was, he was good, but you just don't know how good. Whether or not he could cause you to doubt your salvation just like that. Betty's mom used to listen to him all the radio on the time on the radio. And after a while, she was, I'm not sure I'm saved. Because <laughs> the guy would say, well, if you're really saved, you're not going to do this, this, and this, and this. But I read a lot of his commentaries. We have many of them in the library. I read a lot of them. And they're very good. He is very, very good. 
every once in a while it just says something, you know, off the cuff. But there's a lot of people that you will not find everybody who agrees perfectly on everything. Uh, Dr. Lindstrom and I, we, we both love the Lord, love souls, but we're not going to agree on everything. We're not going to teach every scripture exactly the same way. Dr. Stanford, he called me up yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Anyway, we talked for a good while. And um, he said several things to me. And then several things more. And, um, but I thought, at 95, I just hope my mind is as clear as his is now. I'm glad he even remembered me at 95. So anyway, but we don't agree on everything. You will not find out, but lo and behold, you and your wife don't agree on everything. You didn't know that? You just wait, you'll see. If you've ever had an argument, it's because you didn't agree on everything. And I know you thought she was perfect, and she thought you was perfect, and you find out both of you just conned each other. So that's the way it goes. But anyway, you can read a lot of books, and the thing is, it causes you to study. Study the Word of God. You need to be convinced yourself, not hold a view because, well, the pastor holds this view. That's not a good reason to hold a view. You should believe what you believe because you're convinced by the Scripture because you have learned discernment of what's right and wrong and how it agrees perfectly with other Scriptures, and it will help you tremendously. But now, in chapter 6, I want you to see the word there again. See, in verse 1, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go unto a perfection or maturity, not laying again, not laying again. See that word, again? Now, look over there in verse 6. If they shall fall away to renew them again. You see, this is talking about the same thing. So, verse 6 is talking about verse 1. And something that happened in verse 1 doesn't have to be done again. Because it's impossible for a man to be saved, lose his salvation, get saved again. It's impossible. Now, if you take it any other way, and many people do, they say, well, this is just a picture of those people in Israel who came through the wilderness, and there's the promised land. And because of unbelief, they didn't get to go into the promised land. They got close, but they just didn't get to go in. And that's a picture of people who, they hear the gospel. They understand. They're right there. And God's illuminated their minds. And they know I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. And they're right there at the door. And then they reject it. And they go away. Never to return. Because it's impossible for those that have been brought up to the threshold... And then rebel against light. Refuse it. And then they go their own way. And they can never be saved again. Never be saved in the future. Because it's impossible. God won't enlighten you twice. I've talked to people who have seen it. And heard it and understood. For years. And just finally one day they trust Christ as their Savior. I heard it for three months before I trusted the Lord. How many times did you hear the gospel before you finally saw it? And you may have even waited. But you see, these scriptures are not talking about a person who comes up to the door of salvation and turns and goes away from it. And then God will never save them again. Impossible. I, I don't believe that's what it's talking about. And one man who wrote, 
Well, this is talking about those who failed to persevere in the faith. They didn't persevere. They were there. They believed it, partakers of it, but they didn't persevere. So that was a sign they never were really saved. But because they had the opportunity, it's all over. Never be saved in the future. So you say, well, what, what, what is it talking about? Well, let me just put it very clearly, simply. We're talking to Hebrew Christians. We're talking to believers. Believers that should be serving the Lord, teaching the Word of God, but they haven't learned their discernment as they should. And therefore, they're looked upon as still spiritual babes. They're not mature as they ought to be. But what he has to share with them and teach them is, is meat for the mature. Something that they're not going to understand and it's going to be difficult for them. And so he goes ahead and does it anyway, but he tells them this. I don't have to lay the foundation again. So what I want you to look there is this word found there in verse 1. Not laying again the foundation. Not laying again the foundation. That means you're not going to have to lay a foundation again. Well, what is the foundation? The foundation is the Lord. The foundation is Christ. Let's say, for example, once you trust Christ as your Savior, you are placed upon the foundation, which is Christ. He's the rock, the solid rock. Now, you may tremble on the rock, but the rock will never tremble under you. You are on the rock. You're safe. You're secure. He puts you there by faith and faith alone. So you were not put there because you earned it, deserved it. It was by grace. God saved you. Now he says, take heed how you build upon the foundation. So now as a child of God, you and I are supposed to be very careful how we build on this foundation. And you build uh, because of what the Word of God says. So that's why you learn the Word of God so that you can do what God wants and, and build your life. So what we talk about is this. And I mentioned this to several here. We don't want to take and use people just to try to build a ministry, but use a ministry to build people, to make people strong, strong in the Lord. Because the greatest thing you'll ever build is, is going to be yourself. Whatever you are is what you reproduce. And so we have a responsibility as God's children to try to teach and help and educate others so they can be strong in the Lord because you want the best for them. So he says, you don't have to lay the foundation again. See there in uh, this verse, the foundation of repentance from dead works. That means that you don't have to get a person to get saved again because he's not been lost. He hasn't lost his salvation, so he doesn't have to get on the foundation again because he never fell off the foundation. He is on the foundation, and he is secure on the foundation, and that can never change. He has eternal life. But he says here, the foundation of repentance from dead works. That means you do not trust in your works, dead works, for your salvation, but because of your faith in the Lord. So every man is to repent change his mind and see that he cannot save himself by his works. Dead works can't give life. Dead works come from a dead man. 
And a dead man is someone who's separated from God. So a lost man cannot save himself by producing dead works which cannot give life. Eternal life must come from life. And that's Christ. So he is eternal life. And he gives me the free gift of eternal life when I trust him as my Savior. So when he talks here about the let us go on to maturity, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, then he tells us what those simple principle things are. And he's mentioning them right here in verse 2, of the doctrine of baptism, laying on of hands, because you see, this was in the transition period where the apostles laid their hands upon different ones to receive the Holy Spirit. And afterwards, that is not done. And the baptism, eternal judgment, that's all has to deal with the first principles of the oracles of God. And knowing and understanding that you're saved and why you're saved and how long you're saved for and you're saved from something, eternal judgment. So in verse 3, he said, and this will we do if God permits. Well, why wouldn't God permit it? The only thing that keeps you from growing and maturing in the Lord is your lack of faith in what God's Word says. Not to believe the Lord. And yes, there is a point can be made from chapter 3 and 4 of the book of Hebrews about the children of Israel in the wilderness didn't go into the promised land because of their unbelief. Now, it is their unbelief that got them into the promised land, but the promised land wasn't heaven. The promised land was a place of victory for the mature Christian. The wilderness is like for the, the person who just wanders all over the place for 40 years and wastes his life. So yes, as a believer in Christ, I want to go to the promised land. I want to go to that which God promised, the maturing of a believer, to believe the Word of God so that I can be mature where I can discern right from wrong. And if I mature and I learn these things, then the Bible talks about, cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Because you see, rewards in heaven is a result of your work, and your work is a result of your confidence and your confidence is a result of your faith. So therefore, as you study the Word of God and believe the Word of God, your faith increases, your work increases, and your reward increases. So therefore, it's important for every child of God to discipline himself, to absorb whatever light you have, truth that you know, and walk according to the light that God has given to you. So that... Verse here, verse 1, is explained in the following verses. So he says, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Why? Because it's impossible, as he says there in verse 6, if they could fall away to renew them again unto repentance. So that's why you don't lay the foundation again. In other words, once a man is saved, you don't have to get him saved again. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, and you've been saved for 30 years, but you've never matured in the Lord, you still can't get that person resaved, because that person can't get unsaved. Because once you're on the foundation, you have eternal life, and you're going to heaven whenever you die. And this is what the Bible is teaching here. So if you look up there in verse 3, and this will we do if God permits several things here. 
One, God will not let you understand some deeper truths in the Word of God because of your lack of discernment. You can't understand what God is saying. It doesn't make any sense to you. So that's why sometimes when you will not obey the truth or the light that God gives to you, you can sit down and read the Bible and you'll get a little milk here and a little milk there, but the meat you won't be able to get and you will not understand it. You will not develop as a strong Christian. You'll see others that mature and take off like a rocket and you'll wonder, why? What's wrong with me? Well, maybe you haven't developed right. Maybe you don't believe the Word of God and trust Him like you should. And your discernment to make the wise decisions. See, some Christians, they just make some of the stupidest decisions. That affects their whole life. And they don't think it makes any difference, you know, who they marry, or where they work, or the way they live. Nothing matters. Just do whatever you want. You're lacking discernment. And so, therefore, you're not going to get what you would have loved to have had. Now look in verse 4. In verse 4 says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened have tasted of the heavenly gift and made partakers of the Holy Ghost. Now some people say, see, this is just those who come up to the, the threshold, but not really partake. They only tasted. They really didn't you know, go all the way and get everything. They almost got saved. Almost. They were right there at the door and they turned around and went the other way. Like Agrippa says, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Oh, we don't know. He could have trusted the Lord later. He didn't have to trust the Lord that minute. We don't know. But is that what this is talking about? Uh, look there in chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, and look in verse 9, where it says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, get this, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. But he didn't really die. He just tasted it. Now, would you say that about this verse? If you would say it about the other verse, then you ought to say it about this verse. So when he tasted death for every man, do you really believe that he literally died for every man? I do. And when he says in this verse that have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made... That's past tense. We're made partakers of the Holy Ghost. Well, you only got a part of them. You didn't get all of them. You just got maybe some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but you didn't get the Holy Spirit. Why read all of that? In? Why just, just don't believe what he says? So, see, your theology sometimes will dictate how you understand the Scriptures instead of letting the Scriptures dictate your theology. Sometimes people, they have in their mind, they're prejudiced. And they've already decided what they think. Because they've used reason and logic. And it makes sense to them. So then they try to interpret the Bible according to what they already believe. And try to find verses that back up what they believe. Instead of just go to the Bible, take whatever you believe, throw it in the trash. Now what did he say? And believe that. 
you won't have as much trouble. That way you can approach it fresh and anew. Say, Lord, what do you want me to learn? What do you have to say? So he says here in verse 5, And have tasted, that word used twice, once in verse 4, once in verse 5. It's also used over there in chapter 2, verse 9. Have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance. So that means they were saved. But now we're saying, hypothetically, if they shall fall away. If they could fall away from this foundation. To renew them or get them saved again would be like crucifying Christ all over again. Because the only way you could lose your salvation is to commit a sin Christ didn't pay for. Well, if I can commit a sin Christ hadn't paid for, the question is, when is he going to pay for the next sin that I committed? If he has to do it again, that means he has to be crucified again. That's why by the time you get to Hebrews chapter 10, he says, But this man, after he had offered himself once for all, and when he comes back the next time, he's not coming back to make a payment for sin. Without sin and the salvation, he's coming back again, but not to make a payment for sin. It's all done once and for all. So there is no other payment to be made. So that's why you can't get saved and then lose your salvation. Because the only way you can lose it is to commit a sin Christ didn't die for. And then, if you could lose it, you can't get saved again because there's no one to pay for that sin. See, either Christ paid for all of them, or he didn't do us any favors. So yes, I believe that yes, a man can be saved, not serve the Lord, be a babe in Christ, dull of hearing, can't discern right from wrong, spiritually, be a child of God and go to heaven when he dies. That is grace. He doesn't deserve that. None of us do. But you'd be surprised how many people still believe that you have to deserve to go to heaven. You know, you're saved by grace. But you've got to live right. Because then if you don't live right, you don't deserve to go. You just don't deserve it. Of course you don't deserve it. And so they manipulate the scriptures. And because of what they can't believe about God, they begin to change the word of God. So I believe he's talking to the believers and... Um, Letting them know that we're going to go on to maturity, if God permits. And that's going to be because of your yielding to what the Word of God says. Your discerning. Can you grasp it? He says, i got a lot of things to explain to you, but you're dull of hearing. You haven't matured enough. And these things, th this is the difference between milk and meat. You see, as you study this, isn't this a little bit more complicated than... Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Boy, that's easy to understand. And then we talk about Melchizedek. After the order of Melchizedek, you say, who is he? What's all this talking about? See, it gets a little bit more complicated. But... I want you to know that the Word of God is written in such a way to feed your soul all the time with something new. 
You'll get a little bit of the old, but whenever you read it and you reread it and you reread it, you'll never exhaust it. You'll never get it all. And then after a while, you might think to yourself, I don't know anything. The Word of God is deeper than anything you'll ever get your little teeth around the chew. Look what he says here. In verse 6, if they shall fall away to renew them again. I mean, they can't be renewed again. So that's why he said you leave that foundation. Why? Because they don't have to be renewed again. Duh. To me, it makes it so easy and so easy to understand. That is, if you believe, really believe, in eternal security. See, if you don't believe in eternal security, you've got to change all the scriptures. Then you believe that you can lose your salvation. See, there's not much of a stigma to tell people just, a, you know, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. You say, well, that's the gospel. I know it's the gospel, but aren't there a lot of religions that teach the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and are not saved? Because, you see, they don't understand it was for the purpose to justify the heathen. God, by his death, burial, and resurrection, to pay for my sins, to come back from the dead, is why I can be justified by faith. And I don't have to trust my works. I don't have to trust the church or some preacher. For example, if a man, I say, here's Peter Amato down here. Peter Amato wants to go to heaven when he dies. But I believe he has to be baptized in water also. He wants to go to heaven, but he has to be baptized. And I'm the only preacher in town. And I refuse to baptize him. Wouldn't you hate to think that your salvation depended upon somebody else has got to baptize me? Oh, what if you're out there in the desert and you pick up a tract or a Bible? There's not an ounce of water for a thousand miles. You can't go to heaven. There is no way to get you baptized. Isn't it a shame that if you had to be baptized to be saved, that means that your salvation depends upon the person who baptized you? That means the person who baptized you saved you. And they ought to get the credit for it. If you had to be baptized in water to go to heaven, then that means that that person did you a favor. Because you couldn't have gone to heaven without that person. Now, you may want to believe that. I can't buy that. I don't believe any man's salvation depends upon another man's work. Except just to present the gospel. God has designed it where we're supposed to tell people about it. But aren't you glad salvation is the gift of God? So he says in verse 7, and he uses this brilliant illustration. He uses the earth, which drinketh in the rain that comes oft upon it, bringeth forth herbs, meat for them by whom it is dressed, receiving and get this, you ought to underline this phrase, blessing from God. So now we're talking about a person getting the blessings of God or the chastening of God. Being cursed by the Father. Now you're never cursed in the sense of going to hell. But by the time you get through with this, you'll find out that this is laying out the other chapters that's going to follow. And talks about what living by faith is. And the chastening hand of God in chapter 12. And so you can either be blessed by God while the reward's in heaven. 
or you can be chastened by the Lord. So he uses a piece of ground, and there's a piece of ground, and that's, we just say, that's you. Now, what are you going to bring forth out of that ground? You see in verse 8, but that which beareth thorns, ground can bear thorns, and it can bear fruit, herbs. And briars is rejected. The thorns and the briars is rejected, not the ground. Some people try to say, that. see there, God rejects you and God burns. No, 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 that's, the, that's the, what comes from the ground. See, once you and I trust Christ as our Savior, we're going to stand before the Lord, and He says He's going to reward you for the gold, silver, and the precious stone, but the hay, wood, and stubble, what's He going to do with those things? He's going to burn those up. What's that? That's their works that are no good. That's because of your discernment. You did this, and you did this. So God's going to reveal to you why you did this. And you're going to lose what you could have had for the Lord. So he says in verse 8, But that which is what beareth thorns and briars rejected, and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. But, verse 9, Beloved, as an illustration, we are persuaded better things of you. Things that accompany salvation. Not salvation. But there's things in your life that you ought to have. And there ought to be some fruit from the ground, some herbs. But if not, you're going to produce briars and thorns. And God's going to have to chasten you because of what you're bringing forth. So is God concerned about what comes from our life? Yes. Should I, as a child of God, shouldn't I serve the Lord? Yes, I should. But to do more for the Lord, then I need to grow in the Word of God. So that's why you come to Sunday school, to learn the Word of God, so that you can be more faithful to the Lord. Not only just for yourself, but learn the Word of God so that you can explain it to somebody else. See, if you don't understand what these verses right here are talking about, somebody else could tell you another idea about these verses. And you might believe it. Then you'll question your salvation. Well, I guess I'm not really saved. Well, I used to be saved, but I can't be saved anymore. How many times I've had people say, well, I, I used to be saved. I said, well, what happened? Well, I started smoking again. I started smoking again. I don't know, that's always the one. Why? Because somebody told them that if you're saved, you can't do that. Well, Dougie. Notice what he says here. In verse 9, things that accompany salvation through thus we speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. Now, if when you talk about your work and your labor of love, you think he's talking to believers? Yes. Or is he talking to lost people on how to be saved? You see, you don't talk to lost people about your work and labor of love. Because they're not saved by their works. It's not even an issue. We're talking about the believer's work. The believer's labor. And that's why you don't have to lay the foundation again of trying to get somebody saved. So how do you know if somebody's really saved? All you can go by is what they tell you they're trusting in to get them to heaven. If they say they're trusting in their good deeds to get them to heaven, I would question their salvation. I don't care who they are. If Billy Graham told me he was trusting in his good deeds to get him to heaven, I wouldn't believe it. It wouldn't matter. But God says salvation is free. It's a gift. And as a child of God, God wants us to bring forth fruit in our life. 
things that accompany our salvation. It doesn't replace salvation. It's because you are saved. You have land, but produce something on the land. So he says in verse 10, God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. Wouldn't that be a shame if God doesn't remember what you've done? That's why as you serve the Lord day by day, you don't have to remember everything you've done for the Lord. Why? Because God does. I was talking to somebody just recently. I said, it's not bad once in a while to, you know, to, to have a little journal of what you've done for the Lord. You know, little things just so you can remember. Because down the road when you get older, you know, like Dan over here, you may not recall. And it would be so nice just to read and say, oh, this date, I talked to these people. They trust the Lord. I helped this old lady across the street. She didn't want to go, but I helped her anyway. And you just make a list of all these wonderful things. But isn't it wonderful to know that God in heaven is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. There isn't anything you have done for the Lord that God has forgot about. Now, people might not remember all those wonderful sacrifices you've made. And it might even hurt your feeling a little bit when nobody really appreciates all those things you did. But you remember, you didn't do it for them anyway. You did it for the Lord, didn't you? Didn't you? And so therefore, as long as God remembers and God knows, you're satisfied with that, right? So therefore, you don't have to get your feelings hurt and get mad and bitter because people don't appreciate how great you are. He made this statement. God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints, and do minister, in that you have ministered to the saints. I wonder who those are. You ever seen one? That's because of your encouragement to others. That's why the Bible talks about in the book of Hebrews in chapter 10. Let us draw near and let us not forsake our profession of what we really believe. And let us encourage one another and let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Let us. And God says, this is what I want you to do. Everybody needs help. Everybody needs encouragement. Everybody can find fault with everybody. Now, this, this is a... This is the eye-opener here. I'm going to make a statement. If you stay around me long enough, you'll find out that I probably have a flaw. I, I, knew, I knew it was going to hit you hard. I try to let you down easy. But everybody has flaws. Everybody. What are you supposed to do? Well, magnify them. Let everybody know. No. Learn how to. Love covers a multitude of sin. And God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. And look what he says in verse 11. And we, believers, we desire that, and you ought to underline these two words, every one of you. So he's, he's talking about some are not responding as they should. Some are dull of hearing. But some are doing the work and ministering to one another. But what is the desire? We want every one of God's children. That's why we have to sometimes be so careful of what we say and do. Because we don't want to turn anybody off to the Lord. And he makes a statement. 
And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. Uh, the end of what? The end of your race. You'll see that in the book of Hebrews in chapter 12. We're running a race. Finish your course. Finish the race. And don't stop. Don't quit. It is worth it all. In verse 12, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith, and that's those enlisted in chapter 11, the hall of faith heroes, the Old Testament saints. And God lists a whole bunch of them there. You ought to go just read and study them. And you know all those names that are listed there? And by faith they did this, by faith, by faith. You know, you don't find one thing against any of them. Because when we get to heaven, the only thing that's going to be remembered for all eternity is what you did for the Lord by faith and believe Him. All other things will not be remembered nor be called into remembrance. There's things God can't forget, and there are some things God won't remember. There's a sermon in there somewhere. It really is. Things God can't forget and things God can't remember. I've never brought that up before. I like that. Good. But anyway, hope you understand it just a little bit better. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you so much for this time together. We're so thankful that, yes, salvation is free. And we can know it and know that we have eternal life and know that we're going to heaven. And Father, we may not always do the things that we should and walk with you and discern as we should. But Father, we know that we're on the foundation and you'll never cast us out, never lose us. And as your children, we know that you're merciful. And Father, we also know as your children, we can confess our sins and you're faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the Father, as your children, we should serve you to do right, to bring forth good works, not to be saved, but because we are. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.